0: Thanks for checking out this message from Radiant Life Church. Grab your Bible a pad of paper and a pen. Let's dive in. Hey, we want to take a moment, look in the camera and say, welcome to those online. High five, air high five. There it is. Thanks for joining us that way. Well, my name's Ryan. I'm our teaching and vision pastor here at Radiant Life. And man, I'm ready to see what the Lord has in store. Uh, We are jumping into a new series titled ER. Which you notice, a lot of times when we hear the words ER, we think emergency room. Which is great. That's why it's there also. That's one of the aspects to this series. That we need to go into the emergency room and have the surgeon, God, do heart work in our relationships. That's what ER. ER also stands for having emotionally healthy and holy than our relationships. And that's what we need in our relationships. This series that we're going to embark on together is not just for married people. You need this as a friend to another person. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about how you need this as a great godly coworker, even to a boss you may not care for, or being that loving neighbor, although your neighbor just may frustrate you or your own family member, whatever it is. This is all together, just in the end. It's all about relationships, whether you're married or not. Now, every once in a while, we may hit a marriage thing. And if we do, and you're single or widowed, I want you to hear this. Don't check out during the series when we talk about married. Put it in your back pocket or in your tool belt because you're gonna be a better disciple maker. You can help someone else who maybe is married that's venting to you, that's confessing things and you're like, oh, and the Lord brings something. Hey, I got something. And you can bring that to them. This is tools for everyone. Are we good on that? All right, well, this morning, well, let's start with this. I had a professor in college say this one time. He said, "Uh, relationships are not hard. Rocks are hard. Relationships are difficult. Come on, how many of you know today in, that, in this room, relationships are difficult? Don't, don't elbow your neighbor. We know it's partially them. You ought to first and foremost elbow yourself. Right? And sit there. So today's topic, as we're going to jump into this, it's, we're going to answer the question, how to break the quit cycle? How to break the quit cycle? And we're going to be in two places. We're going to look at Jesus' own words in Luke chapter 6, as well as Colossians, that Paul writes to the church in Colossae, and we have the letter Colossians, to those Christians about some of this idea. Now, let me do a disclaimer on the front end of this message, I realize in a room like today and those that are online, some of us are divorced and there are biblical grounds for divorce. And we know that. And if you want to come up and a- after service and say, Hey, Pastor Ryan, what are those grounds? I will gladly have that conversation with you. There are biblical grounds for divorce. There is. There are also biblical grounds for divorce with God's heart of restoration within the marriage. And that's a tension, Right? It's a tension to have that I have ground to walk away, yet is God calling me to restore it? And that's hard. This is why we have to do life together. Uh, We need other believers in our life to give godly counsel to those areas, okay? What I'm going to share today also is not a silver bullet. There's one silver bullet to everything. His name's up there, Jesus. But it takes two in a marriage to tango. What we're going to talk about, if when I get to the marriage part, is to realize just because you may put these three practices into play doesn't mean your marriage is going to get better because your other partner needs to do it too. Your spouse, your wife or husband needs to also do it as well. So if you are divorced, please hear my heart. I mean, I was going to say great, but what I meant was... Godly um, counsel And biblical grounds That's good Don't hear my heart and say Oh, Pastor Ryan said I gave up I'm not saying that today When I'm talking to those Of us that are married As well as those of us That are in any friendship relationship I mean, we all have family We all came from family Whether we like our family or not We all have it So one thing God didn't let us choose Is who our relatives are, right? We got stuck with them But we all may uh, play on a sports team. We all may work with people. Uh, we all probably have a neighbor somewhere. We all are in relationships. So, how do, what does this look like in all aspects? You will need today's message for marriage. For marriage, you'll need it for singleness. You'll need it if you're divorced or widowed. You'll need it in your education pursuit, your career, your character development. You'll need it in every area of life. Today, though, just lean in with relationship lenses on. And what I want to get to is Jesus' words in Luke 6. And this is what sets the stage for us today. Luke 6, this is Jesus. He says this A good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. Then the reverse, Jesus says. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart for the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart from the what the overflow of the heart you know words are like toothpaste when toothpaste gets out of the tube you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube And those are our words. And it's what's interesting what Jesus says here is that these are already stored up in your heart. They're already here. What happens is what's in here comes out. And our words reveal our heart. What you say reveals what has been stored up inside of you. Let me ask you a question then. If our words reveal our heart, the question today, how's your heart? How's your heart? For some of us, it's, it's like, man, my heart is really good. It's really good. For others of us, it's like, I'm kind of indifferent with my heart right now. I'm just, I'm not good, but I'm not bad. I'm just, just here. And others of us, our heart is really hurting. And maybe for some of us, we have bitterness inside and we didn't realize, oh my gosh, that's what's coming out in my words. Um, Paul writes to the church in Colossae, a fun little city in present-day Turkey. And he writes to the Christians there and he's gonna tell them to take off things and put on things as Christians. And notice what he says in Colossians 3.12. He says, therefore, remember he's talking to Christians, therefore, as God, as God's chosen ones, what's that next word? Holy. Holy. It's this set apart. You're consecrated. You're set apart. He's reminding the Christians, listen, you're to be holy. Different. And not only that, listen, some of us need to hear it, you are dearly loved. Some of you need to hear that right now. No matter what you did last night. Listen, God loves you. And he loves you enough, as we just sang, to convict that sin and not leave you there. That's how much he loves you. And then he says this, put on. In other words, there's things we got to take off that are not Christ-like. And he says this, put on these, ready? Compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience and if i'm honest i look at that list and go i got a lot of work to do patience i mean when i want it lord i mean i don't want patience in traffic you know yeah the ones that aren't laughing you're the person i'm impatient with right right it's like the pedals on the right. Let's go, please. Right? The Lord has convicted me. Like, there's a reason. There's a car horn. Right? I, I don't use. The, I, I'm too convicted. Every time. I, that may not be your conviction. Some of you, man, that's how you praise God is with that car horn, right? You're like, man, um, man. For me, I just I feel convicted. I feel every time I want to hit it, unless it's an emergency, I feel the Lord saying, patience, right? So that, that's me. I'm not putting that on you. That's a personal conviction. The spirit of God is using in my life and not for you. But gentleness, all right, I get that. Like, yeah, we should be gentle. I pray every day that the spirit of God would clothe me in gentleness. I, I pray that every single day because listen, if I'm not gentle, I'm a jerk. Just ask my family. Ask those closest. So I got to pray for gentleness, humility. We're going to get to that in a moment. Kindness, compassion. He says, put this stuff on. Every day we are to put this on as Christians. Let me ask you a question. How's your heart? Is your heart covered in those virtues? Is your heart covered with compassion? With patience, with Humility? The question that we want to boil down to today is, will you break the quit cycle to have emotionally healthy and holy relationships? It can be from marriage to dating, to your coworkers, to your friends, family, to your teammates, Now, as that stays here, here's what what happens. I'm going to use these blocks. Every year, it seems like within the world, not just as Christians, but within the world every single year, uh, we all celebrate the exact same holiday. Uh, There's no difference, but that same holiday every year comes January 1st, which is what holiday? New Year's, right? No matter where you live in the world, if you are a human being on planet Earth, you experience New Year's. Every single year you experience this. Now what happens with a lot of us is this. We begin to build New Year, New Year's resolutions and all sorts of things. We begin every year, it seems like that's a good reset time in life. We begin to build what we want the year to become. We may invest more money into our, our, our uh, retirement. I don't even know what it's called because apparently I don't have one. <laughs> There's not a lot of money in it. Um, what do you call it? Ah, see, I knew. Yeah, 401k, sorry. Um, you put money away, you're going to say, hey, I want that promotion this year. I'm going to work extra hard, right? And I'm going to grind, and I want my boss to look at me. Or I want that sports scholarship this year. I'm going to show everyone what I have. And you begin to build. And the issue is, you know, other people around you are... Doing the same. I mean, they're building their life and maybe it's a little different than you, but you also want to build like my stronger relationships and maybe go to church a little bit more than what I did last year. That's probably healthy for me. Maybe I'll get into um, a life group this year and engage with the church differently. And you build and this person over here, you look and, and they keep building. And you get halfway through the year and you're frustrated because it feels like you're still on the first level. And you begin to look at other people and go, why do they seem a little further along than I am? You know, all of a sudden they are getting to a taller story in their life. And God, it seems a little bit unfair. And then we, comp- we do the comparison game. God, I- I'm working here. Now, I'm trying to be better in relationships, but I look at other people and it seems like they got it together. It seems like they're doing a better job than me. And the new year comes along and you know what we do? We're going to start over. I didn't get, I'm going to start over. Okay, ready? I'm going to get it right this year. So we start we start building. All along we go back to this and we look at other people and their stories are getting bigger, bigger, and bigger. Now they're to the 12th story. And you look and you go, it, it, it's unfair. Why do they seem like they're getting it and I'm not? So, you know, there must be something wrong. So I'm, let's, a year, another year goes by. I'm going to rebuild. We're going to do this again. See if I can put more stories and it's still going up, up for others. And you look and say, it's just not fair. Why is this happening? Why does it feel like I'm not getting any bigger than one story and other people keep building? I would argue you and I engage in the quit cycle far too soon. Here's what I mean. Let me actually put this down so I can see your beautiful face. Here's a diagram for you. I want to talk about this for just a moment. and We're going to dive into scripture. The A zone, the B zone, and the C zone. Let's talk about the A zone for just a moment. The A zone is... By the way, this is a phase in every life, every endeavor, every business, everything you ever do in life. Whether you're on a team, a job, a project, an organization, a family, relationships, you will go through these three phases. A zone is the zone that's full of promise. Oh, come on, you love this zone. This is, you're free of baggage right now. This is the zone that's full of promise. It's also known as the honeymoon phase. Yeah, right? Where you look at your man and woman and you go, they're perfect. There's nothing wrong. The relationship is thrilling. It's exciting. Everything is new. It feels perfect. It's, it's your new boyfriend or girlfriend. It's your new job it's your house your new house it's going to college year one and then you realize there's something called the freshman 15 that sits in um this is opening day of a sporting event a baseball a lot of people get super excited and they're super excited about the 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 tigers right listen they're a dumpster fire don't buy into their disappointment (laughs) right we are going to opening day and then halfway through the season you're like we're in dead last again right like you get there um, this is that new toy, that new furniture, that new relationship. You know, it, it's the starting line for everything. It's full of hope, energy, and expectation. Free of baggage. It's 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 the cool new thing. Here's a problem. You don't stay there forever, because eventually the new car becomes an old car. Eventually, this relationship, I'm realizing some imperfections. It's not quite as exciting and fun anymore. The house begins to wear on you. The job, your boss is nice for the first 90 days, and then his other side comes out. And you realize, what I thought was something full of promise ends up going to the B zone, which is full of problems. See, no one ever stays in the A zone. We will all enter and hit the B zone. This is the phase when life gets really, really difficult. It feels like everything is going wrong in the B zone, particularly in relationships. We begin to say things like this. I didn't marry this person. They must have hid it from me. That side of them never came out when we were dating. It's, this is, let's be honest. The B zone can be very dark. It can be dark, defeating, and discouraging. And here's the issue we all hit. We don't like the B zone. When something that was full of promise becomes something full of problems, we actually now run to what's known as the Q zone. We quit. We're done. You know why? Not all the time. But sometimes it's easier to quit than actually work on something. Not all the time, sometimes. Sometimes. And we get to that zone and we say, I I can't do this anymore. I'm out. And we want to quit. If you want to quit the break cycle, you must understand the cycle that we're in. Every area of our life. And you know when you get to the Q zone, what do you do? Right back where it's fun. The A zone. Where it's full of promise. Because that's the zone we like. It's the zone that's fun. It's exciting. So relationship lens. This person didn't work out. Now we're full of problems. Quit. Let me find another relationship. This one doesn't work out. It's full of problems. Quit. Let me find another relationship. Do you see the cycle? It's fun and exciting over here. And here's what we end up doing. Because of the fun and excitement, lean in. We chase the A zone. We chase it. Chase it. You chase it in your career. How many careers have you had? You can't settle down because when a problem comes, you run away. Because we're chasing the stuff that's easy, it's exciting. We chase the A zone, but we feel the B zone. Oh, you feel it. That's why we go to the Q zone, which we escape from that feeling. And we go back to chasing the A-zone. Marriages in this room and online, today lean in. We can develop an addictive behavior of chasing A-zone things. And lean in, marriages. There are more ways to quit than just filing for divorce. See, we tend to quit on the small stuff before we quit on the big stuff. You can look. you know when you were dating someone, you took him or her out, did fun things. then all of a sudden we get married. and we maybe have kids, maybe not, but we're living together now, and these things are weird. And over time, a slow fade happens. We stop dating. We stop those special dates. We stopped doing the things we once did that drew us together. We stop. This is, please lean in. This is why I love Fun Friday for you. Anyone who has a kid, kindergarten through fifth grade, that is a two-hour date time. Go figure out what to do. (laughs) That's a (laughs) two-hour. Is it getting hot in here, guys? I'm, I'm serious. Drop your kids off. Are we doing it? We're doing it as an outreach. It's a double, it's double barreled. We're doing it as outreach to our community. We're doing it for you young parents to have a date day. We are personally investing into your marriage, whether you realize it or not. That's one of the purposes behind it. Right? We tend to quit. And then here's what happens. If we're able to go through the B, A zone, full of promise, the B zone, full of problems, we can get to the C zone, which is full of payoffs. This is where God's blessing is. This is awesome. The B zone's the hard stuff, but this is, the B zone is where we lean into the strength of God. The, the uh, C zone is where you see the payoff and blessing. Those are the people that have been married 40, 50, 60 years, and you go, how did you do that? Right? I mean, you went through a lot of junk in your marriage and you're still together, holding on. And outside of Jesus, how'd you get through that? It's the relationships that have a deep well of authenticity and trust with one another. It's where we get vulnerable and we're able to get through B-zone problems. Uh, Real quick, I'm gonna take just three things. I want to, how can we think biblically to break the quit cycle? Now, please remember, these aren't silver bullets. These three are not silver bullets. These three, though, take two to make this work. Let's, let's three quick things. Number one, this table here. If we're going to learn to quit some of this break cycle in our life, again, please hear me. There are biblical grounds for divorce, and if the spirit and godly wisdom around you telling you to you have it, you obey God above everything. You obey. This zone, if we're ever gonna try to quit, whether it comes to careers or relationships, all sorts of things, how can we think biblically? I think the first step is this we must move from self serving to self-sacrifice. Can I be honest? This one is my most difficult. I love being served. You ever take those five love languages? My number one, acts of service is tied with words of affirmation. I love when my kids serve me. I love when my wife serves me. She does an amazing job it's hard sometimes for me to bend my knee and serve them, if I'm honest. What's interesting is Jesus gives his example of this. John 13, we're told this. This is what Jesus says. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, referring to the disciples, you also ought to wash one another's feet, i.e., be the servant and serve one another. That is what Jesus is calling us to. This is Jesus' last teaching or last discourse that he tells his 12 disciples before he's arrested. You think this last teaching to the disciples has significant weight to it. And he tells them. And their feet were nasty. Messy. Right? They had sandals. They walked in dust. It was nasty. It humbles himself to scoop down and wash their feet. I'm wondering how many husbands, how many of you got to bend your knee and get into the mess of your wife and say, babe, I'll serve you. And I know it's very humbling to bow a knee to say, I'll lift your needs up above mine. And then Jesus goes through all this stuff with them in the upper room. And then he says this in John, uh, John 13. He says this. This is so awesome. He says this. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. You're not blessed by having head knowledge. You, I, my blessing will come when you actually do it. When you actually bend your knee and serve someone. Serve your neighbor. Serve your boss at you may have frustration with. Serve your spouse. Serve your kids. Kids, serve your parents. Amen, parents. <laughs> right? But get there. Here's what's interesting. You ready? You know why it's, it's hard sometimes? I wonder if we don't live in Colossians too much. Remember Colossians? Um, put on. I wonder if your heart doesn't have compassion in the moment or kindness or look at that. Humility. Being willing to elevate someone else above you. This is exactly what Jesus did for you and I. What would it look like? Hey men, I really hope you come on Saturday. Not this Saturday. I think it's the following Saturday. I hope you come. Ladies, if you're married, I hope you as a wife go, man, you go. I'll clean the house. men, I hope tomorrow night you send your wife to Holy and Hilarious by Janice over here and you'll tell her, you go have fun. I'll clean the house. I'll, 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 I'll make dinner for you. I'll have dinner when you come back. At least steal some of her jokes and make it funny when you come back, right? At least say jokes that you learned from Janice. And come, what would it look like if we served? How would this begin to move from self-serving to self-sacrifice? Would that begin to change our relationships? Here's the the second one. What about this? This is represented by this foundation in the Bible. But it's prayer. See, prayer is not supplemental, but instrumental. This is the second move you and I must make. And I'm talking, most Christian couples don't pray together. I was talking to someone about that recently, and I'm like, "It it actually dumbfounds me that the person that we love the most... Outside of Jesus, the second person we love the most, our spouse. If we're both followers of Jesus, we can't grab hands and pray. And I'm, and I'm not talking about the mealtime, beyond the mealtime. We can't pray together. And yet, get this, lean in. I'm going to get just raw for a moment, okay? I'm going to talk to married couples. Listen, you can see each other naked and be okay. Somewhat. Um, But listen, we can be okay with that to a degree. But we can't pray to our Father together? That blows my mind. I mean, do you think, of all things... This is where the enemy of our soul wants to divide. Don't go to the power source for your marriage. I'm going to make it as difficult as possible for you. I'm going to make you feel awkward. I'm going to go after it. I don't care. You guys see each other naked as long as you don't go to the power source. Don't go to it. This amazes me. Lean in for just a moment and I'm landing the plane promise. Worship team, don't come up yet. Yeah, I'll call you. <laughs> I really am almost done. All right. So 900 years before Jesus, Asa became king of Judah. Get this. He was up against an army, twice his size of army. This is fascinating. And Asa in second Chronicles 14, 11, Asa's going to cry out to God because he's needing God in this moment. We're up against an army twice as big as ours. Here's what he says. Then Asa cried out to the Lord, his God. Lord, there's no one beside you to help the mighty and those without strength. Help us, Lord, our God, for we, what's that capital word? We depend on you. What would happen if all of our relationships is dependent upon God? Who And in your name, we have come against this large army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let a mere mortal, 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 mortal hinder you. Think about this. In a moment of battle, who does he go to? He goes to God. He's praying, right? If you and I look at that zone, he's in a B zone problem right now. And he gets on his knees and prays. God, you're my source. Help me through this. I mean, think about this. Tonight is the Super Bowl. Honestly, who cares? Because our team's not in it, right? And it's the world against Kansas City and Taylor Swift. Like, everyone, right? Go Niners. Please no more of Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Okay, see? There's some are like, but I like Kansas City. I like that whole love story who cares so <laughs> i'm kidding you know root for kansas city i'll pray for you while you're rooting for them but hang in there right i mean some of you got like yeah like uh, yeah that's right let's root against them like woo! here's what's crazy the lord gave them victory and you know what they did they celebrated after the lord gave them victory they're like yeah amen So here's what I want to do. We can amen that we want the 49ers to beat the Chiefs tonight. But I just wonder, can you amen and give a shout of praise knowing Jesus can fight your battles and you have a king on his throne? On the count of three, celebrate King Jesus. One, two, three. Come on. Yes. And that's what the nation did. They celebrated. Yeah, God. Woo. And another army comes against them. And the story changes now. From Second Chronicles 14 to 16, look at what God now says. This is his words. Because you depended on the king of Aram and have not depended on the Lord your God. The army of the king of Aram has escaped from you. Were not the Cushites and the Libyans a vast army with many chariots and horsemen? When you depended on the Lord, he handed them over to you. For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those who wholeheartedly devoted to him. Look at it, a consequence. You have been foolish in this matter. Therefore, you will have wars from now on. You wanted it. And man, you went to me wholeheartedly. And I gave you strength because you needed it. The issue is you got your victory, you went up against another battle and you depended on yourself, not me. See, all of a sudden, you think you have the victory, now you're giving me half-hearted devotion, like you don't need me. And I only give strength to those who need. I'm just, I'm, I'm here with my, I need God's strength in my marriage and in my family, the way I deal with my co-workers. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> Y'all need strength for me, I realize that, I realize that. Easy on the head nod. Like, no, no. But we need it. Can I get a moment of honesty super fast with me? I forgot it was about 17 years ago or something. Around there. Uh, Katie and I were just in a B-zone problem. I don't remember what it was. Um, sometimes married couples, we fight over the dumbest things. In and sight, you tur- you'd turn around and go, that was really stupid. Like we made a mountain out of a molehill. And here's what happened. It was a moment where my heart was not right. And I turned to her and I said, There's the door, walk away. In that moment, my heart was not clothed in compassion, humility, love, kindness, gentleness. I was depending on myself and not God. I wonder what it would be like for marriages and dating relationships to grab hands even in the midst of an intense conversation say, let's stop and pray. Let's stop and pray. Let's stop and pray. Leads to the last one. Last one says, stop living in broken Eden. See, Broken Eden, it's the playground in relationships often. See, what happens in Genesis 1 and 2, God created, we have the creation account. Genesis 3, sin comes in and you have the fall of humanity. Sin has entered the world and with sin linked is death. They're combined together. And God, who had been walking with Adam and Eve throughout the day, I mean, they're naked. They don't even have any shame. Like, it's just like, it's free. We're, this is communion with God. This is, this is what heaven on earth is supposed to be. And all of a sudden, they ate from the tree they weren't supposed to. And it shatters everything God created. Sin, that's what sin does. It shatters God's creation. And in it, check these words out in Genesis 3. He says, then he, God asked, he's talking to Adam, "Um, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man replied, the woman you gave me to be with, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate. Oh. See, this is the playground for relationships. We love the blame game. It's her fault. It's his fault. It's my boss's fault. It's my neighbor's fault. It's my kid's fault. It's my friend's fault. It's my coworker's fault. It's my classmate's fault. It's my teammate's fault. It's not mine. In relationships, the playground is broken Eden. I'm curious if we don't want to quit, how many of us have to lift up a mirror? And look on the inside. God, I'm not going to blame them. I'm not going to blame my spouse. I'm not going to blame my boss, my coworker. First, I need to look in the mirror and say, what needs to change in me? What would it look like in our relationships if we stopped living in Broken Eden? What would it look like that you and I can have the holy, courageous cor- courage and boldness to say this prayer that King David said? Search me, God. And know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there's any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. Not one time in this prayer does David said, but it was her fault or his fault. Search me. You know what I love about this flow? Worship team, come on up. What I love about this flow is when you and I decide to step in from self-serving to self-sacrifice. I truly believe when you and I bend our knee to serve one another, it will force us to pray because there'll be moments where you don't want to. It'll be a moment when you say, God, you got to help me clothe my heart in humility right now. Clothe my heart in patience right now. What that does is it drives us to pray. And when we pray, it drives us to commune with the Father so we look like Jesus more. This progression. So out of this, our time together, we decided as a staff to create an event for you. I'm going to talk to you, married people, for just a moment. This event's for those that are married, if you would like. On Friday, March 1, at 7 p.m., we're going to do something what's called a vow renewal in here for all couples. Whether you are on cloud nine and you've been married 50 years and never done it, or you've been married two weeks and you're already in B zone problems. We're going to do a vow renewal for the entire church Because one thing The enemy wants to destroy Is marriage Why? Because it represents Jesus' covenantal relationship With his bride, the church And if I can destroy that I can destroy that reflection to the world So I pray and hope that you would sign up Men, here's an idea Sign up before your wife tells you to sign up You just sign up on our website right now, theradiantlife.church. Go to events. You can sign up right now in this moment. But we're going to make it special. And here's the thing. That night, you can dress up as fancy as you want. My wife and I will be a little fancier. We'll, we'll dress up. You can dress up. Maybe for some of you, it's like, I'm going to wear my wedding dress. I can still rock it after 30 years. Others of us, like, I don't even want to see that thing, right? That's just, it's another time, another season in my life. Or... You're like, just come casual. You can. Preferably not sweatpants. That's a little too casual. But you know what I'm saying? Like make it special for you and your wife or you and your husband. We're going to do this together. My wife and I will be on the stage leading you all in the vow renewal. And then afterwards, we'll have a really nice reception out there. Just hanging out, having a good time. Saying today, we're taking back our marriage. Today, I'm going to renew my vows with you, babe. Today I'm renewing you, renewing my vows with you, husband. Today we're going to mark a day. So let me ask you a question. Here at this station was prayer, right? And the Lord said, when you were wholeheartedly devoted, that's when victory came. But when you're not, victory doesn't come. What would God do if you are fully devoted to him? What could he do in your marriage? What could he do in your dating relationship? What could he do with you as a coworker to your boss? What could he do with that classmate and teacher? What could he do if we are fully devoted to Jesus? Church family, will you please stand? And when you're standing, will you just close your eyes? Close your eyes, bow your head, close your eyes. And I want you to think, is there anything I'm holding back from God? Anywhere in my life right now, in any relationship I have, that my life is not worshiped to you, that my life is not fully surrendered to you, Jesus, is there any area right now in my life Just allow the Spirit to reveal those things to you in this moment. And know, God will give strength to those who are wholly devoted. Your entire life is worshipped to Him. Thanks for listening to this message from Radiant Life Church. To get to know us better, check out theradiantlife.church. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.